This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Anyway, we're back with another live Twitter episode of Green and White, brought to you by Argyle Life. Obviously, a 3-0 win on a Wednesday against the Wednesday of Sheffield. Sees Argyle up to 18th place now, six points off the drop. Mustafa Bundu's full debut saw him shoot down the Owls after a sensational free kick. He rifled into that top corner. Morgan Whitaker followed up on the defensive lapsing conversation to make it two at the break. And uh, Argyle managing to tire them out from the high press. Served the second half well. And Ryan Hardy pounced off the bench to make it three. Subsequently keeping all three points at the Theatre of Greens. Um, before we get going, if anybody has any questions or, you know, any topics of debate, this isn't all about us. So feel free to request and, and ask whatever you want to ask. Um, joining me tonight on the podcast with more Lineups from the Sugar Babes is uh, a big welcome back to Joe Bell. How are you? Evening, Aaron. Good to be back. Little hiatus is over. Yeah, you spent your day uh, talking to the the press in East Anglia. I'm sure we'll get onto that later on when we preview yeah. Ipswich. But it's been a it's been a big uh... just 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 to clarify, I, I wasn't handling Shuey's media duties. No. You were you were handling ours. And the Argyle Life media duties. Um, James from One Team in Devon, how's things? I'm aware that you're you're currently putting your child to bed, so you might be uh, you might be on and off. He's down oh, miraculously. Four minutes to spare. We have success. It's good to hear. And and Ben's joining us as well. But I'm I'm, I'm inviting him to speak. Um, I don't know if he's uh, getting that invitation, but but he's there. We'll try them on whilst Joe, why don't you give us a run through of this one? Um, I would if I could understand what happened. Um, because there aren't many games at home park where I'm left speechless to what I what the end outcome was. Um, but I was left a little bit confused at how everything happened last night, really, because the first 30 minutes we hit the post through uh, Whitaker, and he seems to like doing that. Um, Bundu had a chance, I believe. And then 
other than that, we didn't really offer anywhere near enough quality given this was our home game. Um, although we were we were standing off Sheffield Wednesday, we were very, I mean, we, a lot of the time we had 10 players camped in our own half. But the caveat to that is Sheffield Wednesday weren't really punishing us and they were allowing us the opportunity to stay in the game and not only stay in the game, but give us then the chance to take the lead in the game. Um, the obvious um, one was where they pulled the ball back across the face of goal and had nobody to tap it in. Um, they had one or two half chances. Cooper didn't really have a great amount to do. He caught a, a wind-ass effort, didn't he? But um, other than that, he was he was fairly quiet. And then really, I mean, what do you call it? Three minutes of madness from Sheffield Wednesday, probably. Um, you know, we, we, we break through the lines and... Bundu lays off a lovely ball to Whitaker and he's he's brought down and more on that in a bit. And then Bundu proceeds to try and take the crossbar off um, via Barry Bannon's forehead. Um, and fortunately, it ends up in the back of the net and it's an unbelievable strike. Um, deflection or no deflection, crossbar or no crossbar. There isn't a keeper in the world who'd save that and then not end up with an injury on their hand. He has hammered it. Um, Ala Paul Watton, um, another famous number 15 in the green and white, you know, when he hit it, I think it was Clive Tildesley. Um, I think you put out a question earlier, Aaron, saying what's the best free kick you've seen? Mm. Uh, Clive Tildesley covered a championship highlights game against Sunderland at home. Watton hit one from the left side of the penalty area at the Denport end. And I think Clive Tildesley's words were, when Paul Watton hits it, it stays hit. Um, and something about a kick like a mule or something. Um, but Bundu, you know, when he hit it, it stayed hit. And then, I mean, the the mistake at the back is 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 pub football, to be perfectly honest with you. I mean, you can't do that at any level. And Whitaker was cool, calm and composed. Um, and at half time, you're thinking, well, that's probably one of the worst first half performances at home we've put in all season. And the only the saving grace to that was we couldn't have been as bad in the second half. And actually, I thought second half, really, we were much better. Um, albeit Sheffield Wednesday offered very little in the way of a threat. Um, the third goal was always coming. Um, we started quite brightly in the second half. And I always got the feeling that the third goal was going to come at some point. And, you know, it was a, a wonderful press. Was it by Azaz who, who pressed? I can't, I can't really remember. It was, you know, I've worked since then, but... Um, I'm pretty sure it was Azaz who pressed and did all the hard work and he had Whitaker one side of him, Hardy the other and, you know, it was, it was the right ball and Hardy does what, what Hardy does. And, you know, people are probably bored of me coming on here and, and talking about Hardy. So um, there was a certain inevitability about that finish and yeah, all in all, three goals at home, three points, good four points that we've picked up this week. I um, obviously wasn't on at the weekend after the West Brom game, but um, you know, an invaluable clean sheet and a point. Good three points last night. Um, Cooper still hasn't conceded a goal, which is good. Um, and what is, in a way, what is nice is that we've won three nil at home and still so much to work on. Um, because we won't get away with playing like we did in the first half, probably again all season, really. Um, because the likelihood is by the time QPR come to town. Ainsworth will have probably lost his job. So, um, 
you know, we are going to have to be better than what we were in that first half last night. But that's just me being me, really. Um, overall, I don't think any of us can really be unhappy with a 3 0 win. Um, and unfortunately, I was on the Wednesday till I die space last night. Um, and one thing I didn't mention to them because I didn't really want to rub it in at the time because they were pretty, pretty down and dejected, as you can imagine. But mm. um, even though we're only an 18th, I've just said this to the, the Ipswich boys, even though we're only 18th and we've only got 15 points. Um, sounds strange to say, but us and Ipswich are light years ahead of Sheffield Wednesday, both on and off the pitch at the moment. Um, and they are not and they are nowhere near up to championship standard. Yeah, I mean, uh, talking of tough acts to follow um, after, you know, getting up from Skybet League One. James, anything to add on that game? Yeah, it was a tough, it was a tough watch, wasn't it? Um, you know, how many times you say you win 3 0 and, and, oh, yeah, I was sat there at 80 minutes on the sofa and uh, I've got a newborn and I was thinking I could go to bed now. And uh, I can't remember thinking about that too often uh, when we're when we're three 0 up at home. But something I've been writing a lot about on the on the newsletter is how good we've looked on the eye um, in so many games. And obviously, we all know we've we've looked on the eye. We've not taken points, um, and in so many of those games, it's teams that do the ugly work and win ugly that. You know, I've I've taken the points, and it's kind of there's one thing I really think I've taken away from twelve games in the championship is that you don't have it's not really on you to play be playing great football in this in in this league. You have to be tough to beat, and we really hung in there last night. I thought I thought Wednesday. I mean, they look they look like a team that scored one goal since the twenty sixth of. Uh, of August in the league, don't they? I mean, they couldn't buy a goal, but I thought they came out. They obviously saw us as a rival, rekindling the spirit of last season, and they came out under new manager bounce. And got to give them credit; they they pressed and pressed and pressed and made life very difficult. And you know, we we didn't give the ball away cheaply too often. We 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 stayed firm. We yeah, they had chances, but um, you know, we didn't concede, and that let enabled us to to go ahead fairly fortunately but then come through for a strong second half so we do we do you know if you take that um and the last game we've we've, we're doing that ugly work and we've got four points for for uh ugly football and in the previous 10 games we've we've not uh you know we've 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 taken around that from from playing our playing our uh sort of expansive style so i think it's another it's another tick in the box for Shuey's more pragmatic approach. I think you guys have spoken about it on the pod quite a few times. The way that he um, learned uh, at the end of last season and and when we were losing away so much and changed style, we didn't lose again. Well, it looks like that pragmatism has shone through again, and it may not be easy on the eye, but um, it's yielding immediate success for on the points on the points tally. Yeah, Ben, you, you've joined us now. How much of that um, that performance last night was down to just us being having an off day, and how much of it was down to to Wednesday's press? Obviously, James has already said that you have to give them some credit, but I thought they I thought they actually looked 
better than I was expecting them to. I, I know they still lack that bite. You know, they didn't. I think Cooper's only faced four shots in the last two games. But do do we give Wednesday much credit? Oh, Ben. Go on, Joe. You have it then. Yeah, I think I think first first thirty minutes, I, I didn't expect that to be the the way the game went. Um, I thought it would be the other way around that we would be we would be in their faces and all over them in the in the first half hour. So I was surprised by that. Um, I think James hit the nail on the head. They look like a side that haven't scored for God knows how many hours of football, um, and you can see. You could really tell last night the confidence draining out of that group of players. Um, I'm sort of mindful that this doesn't become a, a a talk all about how bad Sheffield Wednesday were because in the second half at times we did play some really nice football. But, you know, the reason we were still in the game at, at nil-nil when the free kick was given was because Wednesday couldn't finish their dinner. Um, and I made the point last night that in the situation they're in as a club and as a team, when you've got players on your books like Dominic Iorfa, Barry Bannon, Josh Windass, um, you know, uh, Matt, uh, Michael Smith, Lee Gregory, you know, players like that, um, you, you're looking at them in those situations to to roll their sleeves up and, and fight for the cause. And, I mean, they went out with a light last night, didn't they? George Byers is another one to throw into that. Um, you know, so um, there's issues there. Yes, all right. The first 30 minutes was they were competitive. They were the better side. Um, they probably don't really know how they were tuning down at half time because it all happened in such quick fashion. But um, there's only so far you can give a team that have only got three points and haven't scored um, in a load of hours credit because. Um, unfortunately, it was a lot of their own doing last night is the reason that the scoreline was 3-0, bar, you know, two really composed finishes and an absolute wonder strike. Yeah, obviously, let's get let's get into it then. Obviously, two changes, uh, Miller and Hardy making way for Edwards and Mustafa Bundu. How do you... Um, oh, Ben's, Ben's off mute, I'll ask him. How did you rate... Uh, Moose's debut, full debut, uh, obviously at home park. Yeah, it was a weird one because uh, he didn't really do much and scored an absolute worldie. Um, and I, you know, it, I don't think the game went particularly as expected. So, what might have been the team talk and what might have been the plan didn't come to fruition because we couldn't, or the players couldn't spring him away the way perhaps they'd been expecting to and had been planned. Um, you know, Joe mentioned very well the way that we were contained. Um, the, the press actually worked really well um, for the first sort of 35 minutes. Um, and, and so he couldn't affect the game. You know, he, he needed the ball to feet and runners going past him. And in the end, it was sort of being lumped forward um, more often than not. And, and that didn't really suit uh, the role he was trying to play. He's not uh, Ryan Hardy to run in behind. So um, he, he obviously had a great debut. He got the goal that sort of broke the back of the resistance. Um, and if he can do that and nothing else every game or every other game, then he's worth having on the pitch. Um, but he's, he has looked, I think everyone would agree, he's looked more dangerous when he's coming in from a wide position. 
Um, and he's also looked dangerous coming on against tired legs. That said, Hardy looked excellent coming on against tired legs. He's got quickness of mind as well as of feet um, and, you know, took his finish with a plum. So um, I definitely think Ryan Hardy could do a job as the as the super sub. I don't think Bundu is going to be the one to start at least maybe until January. But um, if Hardy is going to be benched long term as a centre forward, um, he's going to it'll be for someone in January. I don't think Bundu's going to be the long term answer there. Um, if if I may, just talking about the 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 first half and the press and the damage they did it reminded me a lot of Argyle in the first ten games of the season when they only really had two what you'd call you know, really dangerous chances and felt all the the way they were quite easy on the eye um, it was it felt very much like the reverse of some of the games that we've played and so I think James hit the nail on the head earlier that you know playing ugly and doing things right this sort of little restart that we've had after the international break and the the internal discussion seems to be very much a, a more pragmatic you know the west brom game although it was a really attacking formation it played the most effect. it was it was a real 4-5-1 it wasn't a 4-2-3-1 um so i feel like you know the the team and the, and the tactics have got more defensive and they only had the two chances that came from down the right where the ball could have picked out someone better um that really you'd think oh they should have done better with that um, and and that's been the story for Argyle. Sometimes we've 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 looked really great at times, and then not really produced that killer pass, that killer shot at the end, and flattered to deceive. So um, it's nice to be on the other end of that, and long may it continue. I think Aaron, just quickly jumping in on what what Ben's just said there. I think going back to your last point about giving Sheffield Wednesday credit, I think you have to give whoever it was who set them up last night, whether it be Danny Roll or any of his coaches, or what advice he'd been given. They identified a real clear problem with our left-hand side um, because everything was coming down their right. Um, and they were getting a lot of success in behind Mumba and Kessler Hayden last night, albeit with then no end reward in and around the 18-yard box. Um, all of Wednesday's good play was was going down their right, our left. You know, you think about every time that Byers and, and Bannon and Windass got on the ball, more often than not, their first look was right. Let's look to that right flank. Um, yes. So they identified, whatever it was, whoever it was come up with it, they identified something. And to be fair, it did give them a, a, a reasonable amount of um, optimism, if you like, rather than success, because they were getting in there. And, you know, Kesler Hayden was probably having a little bit of a torrid first half on that that left-hand side, um, just because, you know, they, be, they were beating him. Um, but, you know, it, it comes to a point where you get all that play down that side and it, it's got to be an end result. And unfortunately, you know, I keep mentioning it. They, and as James mentioned, you know, they, they, they were very much a side who hadn't scored many goals. Yeah, and to it's be clear fair, to when, see why. when you say it out loud, you know, like it sort of makes sense, doesn't it? And the fact that, you know, Kesler Hayden likes to be further forward and Mumba, we know that isn't, you know, the best um, defensively. So actually, like um, like you said, it's a credit for them for, for picking that out. I, I don't know if if that will be uh, utilised by many other, other clubs this season. Um, I don't know if it will be a thing for home and away, to be honest, because the, the West Brom, like I say, it was very 4-5-1. It really mm. was. It wasn't sort of the 4-2-3-1. And... The, the defence, like Kessler Hayden was really disciplined. It was the most defensively disciplined game of the 
season. I don't know if maybe there was an underestimation of Wednesday last night. And so he was wanting to get on his bike thinking that that was what was going to happen. And maybe it switched off or maybe it was the, the change back to the four two three one, where he's maybe given a bit more license to invert or overlap. Uh, and so he was trying to make the most of that. Um, and whether we'll, we'll we'll see, I suppose, going forward, whether we'll play four five one away and four two three one at home, or or whether it'll be you know, more specific to each each team. Um, but yeah, he he actually had a really defensively disciplined game against West Brom. But yeah, he did go walkies quite a few times last night. And and as you know, Joe pointed out, that was where they they kept looking and kept finding success. Yeah, I mean, it's unlike him to do that in a midweek game, right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> aka uh, Bristol City um, g- going back to Bundu quickly because obviously um, you don't get debuts every week uh, James out of 10 what are you thinking for Moose oh on the spot um, oh I think he I think he worked hard great finish and <clears throat> I really like the work he did uh, in the build up um, for the for the free kick for the first goal and um, where we played it into feet and he played back his back to to the defender um, and laid the ball off uh, for Whitaker, and um, that was the, the kind of ball I thought we were going to play to him a lot more, having his physical presence. I felt like we we played as if he was Ryan Hardy too, um, and you know trying to get trying to set him free um, over the back. Well, I thought we were going to try and hit him a little bit earlier and use his presence and physicality and size. I guess I just assumed why we signed him to be a be a foil to Hardy and to bring something different and we kind of played it same, the same way and then when we did actually quickly get the ball into feet he was able to uh, to use his strength and um, play Whitaker in so I don't think he was given a, a great hand in terms of um, what he could work with so I'll, I'll go for a, I'll go for an eight seeing the the, uh, the spectacular um, spectacular finish on the free kick and, and for the celebration I, I saw that clip that I'll go the club put out um, with all different, all different uh, views and angles of the of the of the free kick, and uh, the first one they show there, where we've got a proper close up of him uh, going to this crowd, his face is absolutely delighted. And I noticed he ran over to presumably his mates from um, from his Newquay days uh, in the Mayflower. So uh, so yeah, it was uh, it was nice, really nice to see, wasn't it? Yeah, it's not not often a a player from the eleventh tier. Uh, makes his way up and, and rockets in a free kick like that uh, in, in in the championship. Uh, Joe, you've already spoken us through your your free kick. Uh, ben, best free kick you've seen live, and where does Bundu's rank on that that list? Uh, probably my whole top five is is Watton free kicks as well. Um, yeah, you know, I, I know you sort of your experience is clouded by. Um, the, the the haze of youth and sort of rose tinted glasses looking back, but you know, uh, Paul Watson was sort of like the highlight of many a game. Just that thunderbolt, and the ball just didn't dip. It was like it was on a wire, just sort of straight into the top corner. But that that was definitely up there because I love a little kiss off the bar. That's uh, you know when you've really put it as as close to the as close to the the woodwork as you can and still get it in. That's that's always nice. Um, I just felt sorry for uh, Morgan Whitaker hasn't had a f- few more. Favorable kisses off the woodwork this season because um, I think is it four or five times he's hit the woodwork this season and um, this every time it goes the wrong way or doesn't even bounce kindly to to give him an assist. So uh, yeah, I think but Bundu's free kick was definitely a highlight that um, 
it will catch people's eye. It should give him confidence. People talk about him outside of the club. Um, hopefully that will kickstart his... I mean, it doesn't seem like much phasing him. He seems quite relaxed, but it's a great goal to score if you're going to you know, come into a club thinking, can I handle it at this level in England? Um, if you had any doubts, having played at you know top level before, um, hopefully that will settle him down, give him some confidence. And by all accounts, he doesn't need that because you know everyone appears to have been impressed with him uh, in training and, and unless the manager sort of blowing smoke. Um, he appears to be quite self-confident and quite happy to to play his role and bide his time. So um, if anything, that will um, settle any lingering lingering nerves or, or worries and uh, he can really hit the ground running now. Yeah, I think I think we're forgetting um, carries against Portsmouth. I think that needs to be in the top five. Yeah, I was um, going to say that. I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's clouded by my judgment that it's carrying and it's against Portsmouth. But I mean, Brumbies was like I wasn't at the game last time, but I saw I was seeing it on Twitter. Like, I'm and like we couldn't have placed it any better. And anyone saying you know the goalkeeper could have done better, in my opinion, don't really have a clue about goalkeeping. Um, but like, and, and also I would say my I said I would either say that I've seen live Kerry against Portsmouth and then um, a non Argyle game I saw um, uh, Gareth Bale put one top bins against Austria um, in the in the qualifiers for the World Cup. So that was yeah, that was pretty special as well. Yeah, but has Gareth Bale ever scored against Nigeria at Afcon? Uh, no. <laughs> so. <laughs> Doesn't um, doesn't compete. Uh, in between the first goal and the second goal, Joe, I think this is where you shine. Uh, should we do an early ref watch in there? Oh, my days. Uh, <laughs> uh, right. So, I um, just for context, I actually said last night to the lads in the group chat that um, if I was on the touchline, I'd have probably been taken out of the stadium in a straight jacket. Um, so... It was a crazy three minutes for the referee in the build-ups. If you go back a couple of phases of play, Houghton is a judge to be pulling back a Sheffield Wednesday midfielder and it looks incredibly soft. Um, And then he books Houghton rightly, I would say, for Houghton sticking his hand up in the air trying to flag a taxi down. Um, and it being the most deliberate handball in the world, um, Houghton didn't really. Houghton then proceeded to hold his face like Stephen Taylor did all those years ago for Newcastle when he claimed he'd been hit in the chest. Um, and then after that, there was the farcical moment where I think it was Sheffield Wednesday's number 14 um, was sort of Valentin, the fullback just fell over on the touchline on the Linda side under very little pressure from Azaz and the referee gave a free kick. Um, and nothing came from that free kick. And of course, when Argo got the ball back, it's gone through to Bundu and he slotted through Hardy. And then and then Hard, um, not Hardy, I'm so used to saying Hardy's slotted in and he's through on goal. Um, he slotted in Whitaker, and then he's brought down and he's brought down by Dominic Iorfa. Um on the edge of the box. Now, before I get into whether or not I think it's a red card or not, where the free kick was taken from was an embarrassment because it's been taken from about five yards back from where the actual tackle was committed. The referee didn't have a bloody clue where that was supposed to be taken from. Um, 
In terms of what colour card I offer should have got, um, there's a covering defender. I don't think anyone doubts that. So it's not a case of last man. It Then it comes down to the fact, is it a denial of a goal-scoring opportunity? Now, I offer may well get a slight touch on the ball, but he takes more more of Whit much, much, much more of Whitaker to get the ball. And he has to go through Whitaker to get to the ball. Um Whitaker is Whitaker is then through one on one with Dawson. I know he's got um the covering defender there, but Whitaker would have got a shot away. Um and more often than not, Morgan Whitaker would put that away. I, I think the referee may well have got it wrong. I think it probably should have been a red card, um, but there's probably just about enough mitigation for him not to give a red card. Um, but I mean, that's not even that's not even the it is the big talking point, but that's not even the tip of the iceberg. I mean, there was so much going on last night, and the big one for me, and there's a big push at the moment for referees to get more respect from players and fans and coaches alike and I understand it and you know referees are only human and you know we all have um, you know we can all cope with pressure and, and things differently and it affects us all in different ways and I understand that you know to some extent some of the abuse referees get is is vile um, there's an incident where Randall's taken off the taken in midair um, and he lands on the Sheffield Wednesday defender and um, the lad has to go off for some treatment in the dugout, in the tunnel, sorry. Um, meaning that they're down to 10 men. We have, from the resulting free kick, the ball goes into the area. And, I mean, Cameron Dawson just isn't fouled. There's, there's just no, I don't think there's anyone, I don't, Bundu was close to him, but I don't think he actually gets anywhere near Dawson from what I can remember. And lo and behold, Cameron Dawson goes down claiming he's injured on his left hip or his left leg or something. Everyone in that stadium last night knew exactly what Cameron Dawson was doing to waste time. And I understand there's very little in these circumstances the referee can do because you'd be essentially calling the player a liar. But to allow that amount of treatment and lo and behold, less than a minute later the centre half is out of the tunnel and ready to come back on the pit. I mean, it's just, it's farcical. It's farcical. And Wednesday took the mick with that because they slowed it down at every opportunity. Um, there are various other little nitty gritty moments. There's one where he accuses Gibson of putting both arms over the top of, of Gregory, I think it is. And he gave them a free kick. That might've been the one that Windass had Cooper save. And about, Two minutes later, further up the pitch, they had hands wrapped around Bundu's waist and he's hauled to the ground and the referee waved play on. I mean, it comes back to what I said about a referee earlier. I think it might have been the Blackburn game when we lost 3-0 and I was moaning about the referee. It's just consistency. Like, it's not a difficult thing. We know that they're going to make mistakes. They're human. But by God, I mean, he had a, he had a bit of a poor night last night and... Um, I think it would be it would have been interesting to find out if you know Dermot Gallagher does that bloody ref watch on Sky Sports. Um, it'd be interesting to know what retired officials made of that decision last night because I wonder if he sees it back whether or not he thinks it should have been a different colour. It's a totally different game, obviously, if he does. Um, and my personal opinion was it should have been a red card, but 
it was a very, very poor referee in display for me. And same for both teams. There were little bits he got wrong for Wednesday as well, but more often than not, it was against us. And um, the fact that he booked Kesler Hayden, I don't, Kesler Hayden must have said something in when the player surrounded the referee. But I mean, the easy way to stop situations where players are surrounding referees is to book them all. Then they know they're not allowed to approach the referee. Only the captains are allowed to approach the referee. And yet there was, they were there by the dozen around the referee, half a dozen from each team. And unfortunately for Kane, he was the one that was singled out to receive the yellow card as like the rule of thumb. Um, and, you know, if if he picks up another couple of bookings and misses a game, then then that one will look very silly indeed. But And you can't appeal those. And it's, it's a bit of a shitter on the rules, unfortunately. Pardon my French. Yeah, that's the one where Edwards is, is sort of like, you know, shepherding everybody away to speak to the ref and then the ref... Yeah, and quite right too, over. but, but why is... What I want... Kesler Hayden... He has to have definitely seen Kane Kesler Hayden say something to him because I don't know, understand how he can have judged in amongst all those voices and people that were surrounding him that it was Kane Kesler Hayden who said something to him. So I just wonder whether he made an example out of of Kane with that incident, but might have might it, have been the thick was... brummy accent. Yeah, Joe, you, you, Joe, you've missed the uh, the main point of ref watch. You've not told us which county the ref is from. Uh, it's an interesting one because I think he's listed online as Newport, but that could be Newport of the Isle of Wight or Newport of Wales. Um, oh, and for well... some reason, I've got it in the back of my mind that James Linnington is of the Isle of Wight parish, not the. The Welsh well, Wales Parish. That's the sort of insight we need from you, so it's not good. I'll have you, to step you, up my game in future weeks. You've you got to remember, yeah. I'm, a, I'm a bit rusty. I'm I'm lacking match practice coming into this tonight. So, <laughs> but, um, but know, yeah, I think I think we've heard enough about me running the referee. He just had a poor night, and unfortunately, one decision just snowballed after another. Um, it was he made it very easy last night for the crowd to get on his back, and that's one thing referee shouldn't do. Yeah, they're also very to, easy to live with when when we're three 0 up. You know, uh, no, when we've won the game 3 0. Just quickly, in terms of um, going back and clipping stuff around, we never officially had a break, did we? Even so you might need to say we're having a break. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Picture the scene. All of your mates around, you've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And now we're back from our break. Obviously, Whitaker's through on goal. Do you, do you think he scores that, James? Or, do, you know, like his record for shots on target in the league suggests? Or, or do you think he hits the post like his other record uh, for hitting the, t- the woodwork? Uh, he, he's a championship leader in both of those. Do, do you think that's... Sweet. I saw your stats you put out. Yeah, incredible that he's a, a championship leader for hitting the post. Yeah, probably would hit the post for me. Um, I mean, yeah, I do agree with Joe. I, I would shade it as a red card. I'd try not to put my green-tinted spectacles on, but yeah, I, you know, he, he, bur- he buries that. And 
yeah, the covering defenders is not stopping him. So yeah, it was a it was a poor decision amongst a, a crazy moment in in the game. Um, but yeah, I mean, it goes back to something you were saying on the pod. I think um, this week about we've had off we've had a fair share of of bad luck. Um, uh, we've played teams at the at terrible moments. Um, we've, we've we've played more teams in the top half than the bottom half. We've been on the end of some some bad luck, and I felt in this one the the balance was restored a little bit. The the slight Barry Bannon um, forehead deflection, the um, yeah, the and then these these constant striking the post, they'll start going in. Surely have to at some point. We'll have a few ping off the uh, off the inside, and and then yeah, we'll pick up some points. So yeah, I can't wait to see that one resolve itself. Yeah, obviously Whitaker finally gets his goal. Uh, it comes from that lapse in concentration. Um, uh, ben, have you got anything to add on? Uh, uh, you know, we're sort of running out of superlatives of, of how to how to describe Morgan Whitaker, and and the fact that we got him for one million pounds just still blows my mind. But obviously, you know, he gets the second, puts us in a comfortable position just before half time. Obviously, we, we've already mentioned that you know we didn't play, we didn't play the best football we've ever seen in that first half. Just how how good was it to have that cushion? going into the break. Yeah, I think the the second goal really... Someone tweeted, it's ironic that it was scored in the injury time created by the keeper play-acting, uh, which I thought was a wonderful observation. And a bit of Schadenfreude oh, is always delicious. Um, but uh, I think the second goal definitely would have changed the team talk for Wednesday and heads would have gone down. Um, you know, there's only so much belief you can have as, as great a performance as they you know, they'd like to have thought maybe they put in and maybe shaded the half or should have been, you know, maybe one all or something. Um, definitely the second goal, I think, makes a difference both to the fans and both sets of players. Um, but, you know, Whitaker, he's just... It's, it's funny that he's, he's probably could have played better in virtually every game, apart from maybe Norwich. You know, he probably could have done more, and yet he's still one of the best players on the pitch. And, you know, as for shots and shots on target, etc., you know, you can't just look at things quantitatively, but if you look at his carries, you know the chant, the, the number of carries he produces that end in chances, whether that's you know good good shooting opportunities, whether they're taken or not, or or, or um whether or, or um getting into a dangerous position, he leads the league. Um, so you know his ball carrying ability is lethal and so necessary for us to even the threat of it. You know, court gives us more space in the middle and the ability to play. Uh, so you know him getting another goal is good, not just for him for the effort he puts in, but it, it keeps people's eyes on him. It gives the rest of the team room to play in games going forward, uh, and it was definitely vital last night. And and he has to be on his toes, and we haven't been on our toes at times. Um, he has to be on his toes to anticipate that, to be putting the pressure on, going towards the defender. He could have just sat off and assumed that the ball was going to be picked up, and if the defender misses it, he's got time to to turn and collect it, play it back to his keeper or, or sweep it away. So, you know, even, even that was, was clever and um, forceful play um, that he, you know, do, doing the job he's been asked to do well, even though he doesn't necessarily like being that wide all the time. This, this position gives him a bit more license to come in, I suppose, than the, the, the strict um, 4-3-3. But um, yeah, I, um, I, I think that 
hopefully he can really like 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 James said start those those, those shots that are they're hitting the woodwork going the wrong way if they can start coming off we're really gonna be cooking with gas I would just say the atmosphere first half yesterday on I was watching on TV was really really flat and not helped by the performance the 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 you know our performance through the press the Wednesday I think everyone was nervous about the result. It was, it was, you know, I don't think it's an exaggeration to say it's a must win. And then suddenly Wednesday are all over us. It's a complete nightmare. The atmosphere was flat. Then we get this amazing free kick. Um, and then it's not the stuffing out of them. And then, yeah, you could, the, the obviously it was a huge relief for everyone. The, the, the atmosphere was, was seen a lot, much improved. And then the second one goes, you know, they, they've buckled under the pressure. The heads have gone down. Um, you know they're in the game. Suddenly, um, a rash challenge, and and now they're suddenly one nil, then two nil. The, the crowd were up. It's it's just yeah. You know, it, it was it was only going one way after that. Completely not stuffing out of them. So the timing uh, of those two goals being so close together really just lifted home park, and it sounded like it sounded. I wouldn't say home park on form, but it it certainly was was uh, was reminiscent of uh, of what home park is uh, second half. Yeah, obviously you mentioned the atmosphere there, so it just you know brings us up to half time to talk about it anyway. Uh, for me, it just sounded incredibly flat, but I don't know if that's just a, an Argyle TV thing, or is there like is there still an issue with the atmosphere? Or it really wasn't just an Argyle TV thing. Um, it, you know, I I put a tweet out didn't I that I think it was in the middle of the first half that it was one of the worst atmospheres at home park for a while. I mean. I understand that there's a lot of pressure on the game and, and it was a bit, you know, it was, it was a big three points on the line, but um, there was just, there was just nothing. And the only noise you were getting were from the, the 1400 owls fans to the, to the right of the dugout. So um, yeah, the, I don't know how to address it really. Um, I know there was a lot of talk about, on, on Twitter. This space was downloaded via spacesdown.com. Visit to download your spaces today. About, you know, whether or not the club want a, a loud, boisterous atmosphere. I think they totally do. I don't think there's any doubt that they, they want the place rocking every week because, you know, it, it does clearly lift the team. Um, but as to what can improve the, the atmosphere on, on a match day, I don't know. Um, I've never really... I'm, I'm going to come across as really controversial now, um, which is unlike me. Um, I've never really understood why you would want your drum and your singing contingent behind a goal. Um, there aren't many grounds you go to where that's the case. They often tend to be stuck in a corner somewhere um, and it sort of reverberates around the, the horseshoe or whatever type of structure you've got. Um, so I don't know whether or not that's something you could look at, maybe moving the drum away from behind the goal to a different part of the ground. Um, but yeah, for whatever reason, last night it was just flat. Um, even in parts of the second half, you know, I'm sat there looking at the clock thinking, oh, you know, 2-0, 3-0, whatever it was, thinking, I wonder how long we're going to get. I hope it's not 10, 12 minutes. You know, it st- seems strange when you're... 3 0 up, but it just did. It there wasn't a great amount of life about the place, which was really weird. Um, what I would sorry, sorry, I would just say that, uh, just to 
with Finley that um, you know the, the the dearth of that atmosphere at, coincided with the moment we seemed to be all at sea, and then and then to make matters worse, Cooper had that huge flap uh, at the uh, in the middle of the first half, and uh, I thought, well, what is going on? So yeah, we need. It, it certainly affects the players, and it, when when you when the atmosphere is great, we know it lifts the team. When the atmosphere is like that, then yeah, it, it must be detrimental, and then you know it adds to that nervousness. So so yeah, we need to figure it out. Yeah, I, I don't, I don't, you know, know any comment on four matters, but I did see a lot of discourse over over the uh, over Twitter last night that. Uh, that uh, the there's problems with the stewards again and, uh, and the fans in six uh, block sixteen and seventeen. And without trying to sound too, um, I don't know what the word would be, but you know, I, like without knowing the whole situation, it, it seems like to be an issue that kind of comes and goes every single season. That fans complain about stewards, stewards complain about fans. And it just appears to be like we're in that kind of part of the season now. For whatever it, it doesn't matter where it doesn't like there's not a specific part of the season where it's, it's happened every year. There always seems to be a period of uh, sort of um, bad relations between some fans and, and, and stewards in in certain blocks. Um, and uh, I, you know, again, I don't know enough to comment on you know who's right and who's wrong, or if anybody's right and wrong, or. Uh, you know what can be done about it, but that might be an observation as well. Yeah, seeing as that brings us up to half time, there's a couple of um, comments been left on the space. Uh, Mark Jeffrey said, uh, "Flat atmosphere. We call out players when they're crap. Um, imagine a, a manager and players calling out fans. Um, not quite sure what that's in reference to, but um, and didn't Derek, our... didn't Derek Adams do that once where he called out the home fans as he, he walked well, off the pitch? Didn't particularly, end, didn't particularly end well. I thought I thought it was the away fans that were yobs, not the home fans, but maybe I'm getting that um, convoluted, but yeah, maybe. Uh, and obviously our friend Nick, PFC displays, who are doing their bit to uh, sort out the atmosphere. Um, he says that his free kick would be Akos away at QPR. Um, so there's another one, another non-Watton um, member for the for the list. Um, um, I'm sure I had a question about Hardy. Yeah, obviously Hardy. Um, yeah, I do. There you go. Obviously Hardy banging off the bench. Um, obviously, do you think that him being dropped to the subs would have given him that slight kick up the arse? That he needs to get back into one of his streaky runs of form, James. What a finish! I, I have so much time for that finish. It was so it was it it from a fantastic turnover in play, but I just I just didn't see that in finishing from there and and yeah, he just slots it home. That's pure Hardy, isn't it? It's so it's so clinical most of the time. Um, yeah, uh, that perhaps that's what he needs to get to get scoring. And we know how streaky he is. Um, and then putting him on against dispirited, tired legs. As soon as he ran on the pitch, I thought, yeah, he's having, he, he's gonna he's gonna pick something up. So, um, yeah, I think that's just a ticket, really. Um, that slotted off, uh, that crowned off a um, you know question marks over performance and and all the rest of it. But um, no, that's what you want to see. So I would probably back him to be back in his um, rightful place next game. Um, but yeah, really good that you can see him coming and doing that off the bench. What I would say is that um, 
I know, you know, things developed a lot um, over this time. And, you know, the whole club's changed and the situation is in a change. But do you remember when he first came in um, on loan when we were in League Two? And then those few months before COVID, he was almost exclusively um, a super sub, like to the point where, you know, people like, uh, uh, I, I don't even know, but I think even Billy Clark, if anyone remembers him, would start over him a couple of games, you know? So, um, and he was very, very effective off the bench. So I don't think, I think he's got so much pace and ability to get him behind defences. I don't think that's a, a coincidence. I think he's always had it in the locker room. He's used to him um, being the main striker now for not for many years. But when he first came in, um, before he signed permanently, he wasn't, he wasn't the main striker. Yeah, Ben, do you see that being something that Shiri utilises more, especially up until January? Obviously, we can't we can't change that striker situation until do, do you see him rotating Bundu and Hardy out in the front too? Or Yeah, probably out of necessity. Um, you know, everybody yeah. needs a rest at some point and those are the options, those are the best options. I do uh, uh, it's funny what what Finn said, I thought exactly the same. I was like, I've forgotten how good he was coming off the bench. Um, and thought that would be, you know, really his 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 better role. Um, but I don't think Bundu is the guy to to start regularly. So it will be, I think, um, taking the chance playing Bundu from the start against teams we're expecting to beat, maybe. Um, but with that being said, um, Bundu might well grow into that role. Um, I imagine that's something they've been doing this whole time he's been getting up to fitness is you know, learning what's expected of him, what they want him to do in that role. Um, so he might, it might, might work that way. Uh, it might work that it doesn't really matter who starts and who comes on. They both have similar um, potential for impact in slightly different ways, um, but they're both, certainly both fast and, and they both make decisions well. They've both got really good brains. You can tell that um, from Bundu already. He makes the right decision and he makes it, you know, quickly um, most of the time. Um, so they, you know, they both got the potential to come on against tired defenders and do damage. So, yeah, I imagine that, that, that they are looking for something in January, um, and they'll be playing Bundu more as the man who comes on or even starts and rotates with the wide men to start giving players like Whitaker and Mumba. I know Mumba's been rested more, but Whitaker's you know played an awful lot of minutes, and at some point you imagine he's gonna. Maybe uh, it's certainly in games if we're leading, um, like last night would have been a prime example where you, know, you could have brought him off uh, and put Bundu on if Bundu wasn't, you know, already playing and, and not at full fitness yet and needed to be replaced with Hardy to, to stop him maybe tweaking something or cramping up. So, um, yeah, I suspect those two are going to rotate around the front, but Hardy will probably be the, the main starter purely because of his experience, um, um, not just with the team, but playing that role full stop. Yeah, I mean, he, he played that role a few times last season as well. Obviously, we had a bit of a, a bit more of an accomplished front line, you know, with, with Ennis and Cosgrove and Hardy off the bench occasionally. It worked pretty well. Um, Finn Azaz has been named alongside Morgan Whitaker in the team of the midweek um, by the official championship account. Uh, another game where Finn has looked every bit of a quality championship player. Thought on, thoughts on his recent run, Joe? He was outstanding again last night. Um, anything that really was good about us going forward tended to come through as as. Um, I thought he was excellent at, at the Hawthorns on Saturday as well. 
Um, and I actually think we're seeing a better level of performance from Azaz this year than what we saw last season. I think he's really improved. Um, I think he is one of the ones who's really stepped up with the level. Um, and um, I would be, if I'm honest, I would be probably trying, I'd certainly be having a conversation with Aston Villa as to they whether tried or to not. In the summer, could... didn't they? they tried to in the yeah, summer. I'd, that was why I'd... it took so long, wasn't it? I'd be going back in, in in January and seeing how much we can twist their arm um, because I think if we don't, somebody else is going to because his level of performance at the moment is is up there with is certainly up there with anyone else in the club. Um, I mean, not not to be like you know uh, sort of looking too far ahead, but I mean he's done. So well, Argyle as a whole over the last, you know, well, nearly it will come up to two seasons by the time his loan uh, loan spell finishes. That like, surely you'd be entertaining the fact that you might be able to get some money out of him because although he's a great player, Aston Villa are looking like a top five side at the moment in the Premiership. So surely he's not top five level of the Premiership. Not saying anyone won't ever get there, but you know. Yet, you know, so surely they'd be looking maybe to, if they could, like another million or million and a half or, or something out of him, you know. So I don't understand why they, to be honest, I don't really understand why they took so long over it in the summer, to be honest. Yeah, I, I've always had this uh, vision that, or inkling that Michael Cooper is part of that. Um, sweetener that, that Villa have given us obviously Finnazaz over the last couple of seasons and given us Tyreek Wright and a free I think Norwich are in a similar position but that's just what I think and I'm not sure keep um, your gob shut sure there's no there's in that that I know of obviously keep talking, your gob shut talking shut about, up <laughs> talking of Cooper uh, another game where the opposition haven't been able to score uh, mainly because they haven't uh, had many shots. Uh, obviously, a second in a row, a second clean sheet for Cooper means that he's got more than James Trafford and Gavin Bazunu combined already this season in just 180 minutes. Um, just how good is it to see him back out on the grass at home park? And is it is it his confidence that that calms the defence or, or and us in the stands, or is it um, or is it just the defence have just just gotten better? Uh, I don't know who wants that. I love it. Yeah, I'd love to. Um, it's funny because I was uh, the last both the games Cooper has had in a sense in terms of distribution, brain farts, quite a hazard kind of uh, performance. There were two really sloppy passes last night. The ball went through his hands, and yet he still, as you said, inspired so much more confidence in the team around him. They it was so much more fluid. There was so there was so much less sort of side eyes looking at each other, checking, um, looking over the shoulder. He really does inspire confidence in the players in front of him. Um, you know, and even when he sort of missed the ball, um, he came for it and it didn't quite, uh, he didn't quite get there. And I think it was Scar sort of said, you know, they should have had that. But he just in- imbues so much more confidence than than Hazard. And as has been said, Hazard's performances have been really serviceable. I, you know, I, I'm quite a big fan of him. And if he ends up, with the keeper situation, when that's all cleared up, maybe sort of 12, 18 months or whatever it is, as if he's the Argyle keeper, I think we could do a lot worse. He's a, he's a very good championship keeper, but Cooper's just got something. He's got that X factor 
um, that you expect from top, top keepers. Um, even when things weren't going well last night, he let the ball through his hands. It didn't let him phase, didn't, he didn't let it phase him. He kept his chin up. He kept um, looking for the long ball. Um, didn't sort of like drop back to, to, to play and it's short. I imagine that was a part, partly due to the game plan, but also I think he was just happy to take the responsibility to, to try and to find pick someone out and find someone it, it made such even even though sort of he, he had errors which Hazard would have been getting pelters for um you didn't sort of recognize them or, or they didn't have the same sort of impact because there was so much more confidence and composure between him and the and the back four still um there wasn't the rickets and the sort of anxiety creeping in as there had been previously and i think that kind of psychological element is often underrated um, in football and often what we pay attention to as fans watching that you know players can make mistakes but they're calm and they, they're assured and, and they go about the business whereas when the player makes a mistake and you can see all of a sudden he's taken one touch too many etc um, you start to, to take notice of the mistakes more so he's definitely um, his presence is as much as his ability uh, which was clear to, has been clear to see the last two games and will improve you know his, his psychologically his, his, his attention as well as his his passing etc will improve with with game time but just his, his his presence on the pitch i think adds so much to the quality of the defending and yeah you probably can't judge two clean sheets against west brom with like no decent forwards fit and the team bottom of the league um but i, I do suspect we'll be better defensively going forward not just because of the adjustments Shuey's made with the tactical fouling and all of that sort of stuff. But I do just think that presence, that confidence counts for so much for defenders. Yeah, I think the only thing I'd add on that is that, that Cooper's distribution with his feet, with his hands, is, is, has always been excellent. But with his feet, has been a bit, has been hit and miss at times. It's not his strongest uh, area of his game. And obviously having um, however, many mom- however many months out, you know, it, it, that's not going to aid that. It's going to, you know, a bit of rust. But like I said, once he's back up and running properly, I'm sure his kicking will be um, absolutely fine. Um, obviously, that win sees us oh, sitting 18th, six points off relegation, and five points for playoffs, as we mentioned in the, the intro. Um, and when you throw in Sam's prediction of a win against Ipswich, um, how long is it until the narrative switches from just survival, uh, Joe? Are we going up? No, obviously we're not going up. But When does, when does the narrative shift? 2025? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Something like that, maybe. If we're if we're lucky, maybe um, early early next year. Uh, you know, not the season after, not um, you know, early twenty twenty four. If we're lucky, but um, anyone who's got that as a realistic thought in their mind <laughs> needs to just give their heads a little wobble. I think um, you know, let's just build as big a gap as we can to the basket cases that are below us first, and then we'll we'll worry about everything else. Yeah, but has have your? Um... I thought that question might come my way for some reason. Yeah, they, they, all the stupid ones normally do. Um, but has it eased your, um, you know, worries about relegation, or, or, or do you do you feel like the next few games, obviously, Ipswich, Middlesbrough, Leeds, Sunderland up next, obviously it's quite a tough run. Um, I'm sure we'll preview our trip to Portman Road after that, but, um, you know. What do you make of that run, and and where do we? How do? How many points do we get from that? There's no, there's no easy run. I know it's a cliche. I've just used a load of cliches on with our friends from Ipswich, but um, it, it's it's tricky. 
Um, but I don't think it's insurmountable by any stretch of the imagination. I think certainly three of the next four teams we're playing can blow hot and cold on their day. Um, I accept that Ipswich at the moment are in the form, the best form as a club they've been in for, well, decades. Let's be honest about it. Um, so they're, they're on the crest of a wave and yeah, right. Middlesbrough have turned it around and, and Leeds a third and Sunderland are going okay, but all three of them on their day can throw in absolute clangers. Um, and then actually, if you look at December, um, not trying to get too far ahead of myself, albeit forgetting November completely. Um, we've got after the Sunderland game, I know we play, um, Coventry away on a Tuesday night and Coventry are obviously having a sticky patch. But then if you look at December, Stoke at home, we've got the trip to Leicester. Then we go to QPR, home to Rotherham, home to Birmingham, away to Cardiff before rounding off the year at Southampton. So there's a what looks to be uh, an interesting run of games coming up there in the month at the end of November, early December. So um, I'm, I'm not, I was never panicking. Um, as Aaron will testify from our group chats, I was always a little bit, or I have been quite concerned that perhaps we weren't learning from the mistakes we were making in games. Um, because I think if you're not able to eradicate the silly mistakes, then it would be a long season. And um, it was most notably after the Swansea game, I think it was, I was, I was most vocal about it. And um I was sort of relieved that I was on my little sabbatical from the, the pod because um, I'd have been clipped up and put everywhere probably if I was to voice my views. But, um, you know, we the last two games have been good. I can't remember whether it was James or Ben who said it earlier and I'll give them both the credit really. Um, that Schumacher referenced the reset going into the international break and there has been a very clear reset Um now, it's an eye-watering number of fouls we've given away in those last two games. Um, albeit, I think we've probably had two really poor refereeing performances in those two games. Um, but we are just trying to become a little bit more streetwise. Um, you know, a few of the dark arts, you know, taking those pulling players back at West Brom and, and the little trip-ups last night and you know we, we are learning in that respect and every game is a is a step in the right direction so um we are always going to be learning on the job but i i'm not concerned any bit because i think there are easily four i'm just looking at the league table now four maybe five teams that are worse than us at least um, but I'd also factor in there are three or four clubs who may not be those four or five teams. There are three or four clubs in the division who are complete and utter fruit baskets. Um, and don't be surprised that clubs are dragged into a relegation battle because of off the field matters. I think there are a couple of clubs who are quite precarious in the championship financially um, and bad runs and negativity will only add to that. So there's a lot going to happen, I think, between now and the end of the season. Um, and one thing we can be sure about is off the pitch, we are in as good a shape, it would seem, as we've 
likely been for generations. And on the pitch, we have a manager and a group of players who excite us and they are learning. And we've seen that in the last two games that they have learned from a couple of their mistakes pre-international break. Um, not only that, we aren't off getting our money's worth going to watch Argyle at the moment. So um, mm. it's all positive and the glass is so. very much very much full for me in the sense that I, I don't have any worries, really. I think as well, that's, West, sorry to interrupt you, Joe. I thought you'd uh, come to a nice natural conclusion. My, my apologies. Have um, oh, yeah. Oh, sorry. It wasn't natural, was it? Um, <laughs> The, the West Brom game was actually, it hadn't struck me until that game. I thought, actually, we looked like a championship team in that game. Up until, up until that, even with, you know, battering Norwich, it's almost like they've been a cup final feel to a lot of our games. They've been quite open, quite frenetic, whereas we were happy to slow the game down. The niggling fouls obviously sort of um, amplify that or sort of you know, um, made that seem seem even more so. But... Even against Wednesday last night, like I said, we didn't necessarily have the ball or have the game our own way in the first half. But, you know, they only had two real chances. That's what teams have done to us. We've looked, played the prettier football at times and then been naive. Um, and the last two games, we've actually looked like a championship team, I think. Um, and that's that's quite a change. Um, so I think that in terms of the narrative change and what the points we get in the next few games aren't necessarily going to be important. But whether we play, you know, we might get beaten by teams that are just better than us. That happens, you know. We know there's some really good teams in this league. They spend a lot more money. They pay a lot more on wages, etc. They've got better talent across the pitch, man for man, uh, and that might just be enough. But if we play streetwise, if we play, I think that's going to be that the fans, hopefully, at least the intelligent ones, will see if we we're playing that sensible style. If we're trying to minimise risks, if we're if we're not being naive, then even if we sort of do drop down positions, even if we don't pick up the points, fans will be confident that in those games where um, we do get the chances, we'll be able to pinch them and, and make that pay. Whereas I think if we fall back into those old habits of being too naive, being too gung-ho, not knowing when to, to shut up shop, not knowing when to fall over when you've been tugged back, to really sell it to the ref, um, those sort of things, then we might, you know, we might get found wanting. I think that's, in a sense, almost more key than whether we get three or five points out of the next sort of four, five games. Before we preview Ipswich then, is there um, anything else anybody wants to add on the West Brom game? West Brom game? Sheffield oh, Wednesday. Wrong. Sheffield Wednesday game. Sorry. On, I was doing man. a bit of, I was doing a bit of uh, editing on Acast whilst we were talking. Um, anyway, <laughs> nothing on the Sheffield Wednesday game there's only there's only one Twitter question this week mainly because I didn't ask for them um, but Graham Cox has asked here's a question for debate there's also been other seasons I've thought this but is our kit too dark for evening games the players are the That's same Derek Adams Derek Adams burner Derek Adams burner account <laughs> not a single bit of white on that kit not easy to spot a switch opportunity um Anybody think it's too dark? I do. I don't think this kit looks like an Argyle kit, but as as nice as I, it is, but I I would argue that I understand what the point is being made because there was a couple of opportunities last night where Whitaker was in acres of space on the wing, um, and the ball wouldn't get out to him. I wonder if it's more to the fact that the players are either not confident or not necessarily overly capable of switching the ball that far. 
um, when we're pressed down one flank and we've got a player who's got the freedom of the West Country on the other flank. So um, I understand reading between the lines what the question's about. Um, I haven't actually thought about it, to be honest, about the kit colour. Um, but it does take me back to that season where we couldn't buy a win on a midweek and one week it was the algae's fault, then it was the way the wind was blowing, then the kit was too green and, and Derek went through every <laughs> excuse, didn't he? I mean, it was, it was farcical in the end. Really? I think, did we play a game in the away kit and he came out and said, oh, no, it's not because of the colour of the kit, it's because I wanted the home fans to see the away kit. Yeah, yeah and I think we lost 3-0. <laughs> oh, I love him so much. Oh, what a man. Uh, it, yeah, okay, anyway. Uh, moving on to um, Ipswich. Uh, obviously, they're flying high up in second, a position they'll be very familiar with after last season's finish. Um, how do you see this one going, uh, James? Yeah, I think uh, I'd be interested to see if our psychology is similar to that of Wednesdays, where we see them as our rivals, um, the history of the last couple of seasons. Um, that league position doesn't matter. We can go there and with confidence and not play perhaps psychologically different to if it's away to Leicester, Leeds, Saints. Um, we're going there and on turf that we know um, against a team that we're familiar with um, and can get in their faces um, similar to how we did last season. So, you know, that worked to a certain extent for Wednesday, they made it very difficult, and I hope we can we can go there and and put in the same kind of dogged performance, um, cause them problems, and and play with confidence. Yeah, nice, Joe. Obviously, you've been talking to our friends. You've been busy previewing the game uh, with the local East Anglian press, uh, the local paper, and the Kings of Anglia podcast. Any insight ahead of Saturday? Um. No, not really. Um, oh. Other than they say it's going to be a full house and Portman Road will be rocking and they score a lot more at home than they do away. And um, Well, I hope it's I think, as rocking as it was last season where it was loud for about five minutes and then went silent. I think um, the, the the basic point I made to them and the, the episode with them is out tomorrow. Um, I highly recommend it. Um, is that... You know, there's there's no secrets to either of these two teams. Um, you know, neither manager is going to be able to pull the fast one on the other one. Um, if you look at the team they started with at Ashton Gate last night in their 1-0 victory over Bristol City, it, it's largely the team that came up. Um, if you look at the team that started for Argyle last night against Sheffield Wednesday, it's largely the team that came up. So there's very little secrets between the two teams. Um, I actually, th- I'm actually a little bit more buoyed after the last two performances. Um, well, the game at West Brom and in the second half, in particular last night, that that we can actually go to Portman Road and, and be relatively competitive, and not only be competitive, come away with a result. Um, and you know, you can't get away from the fact they've won ten of their twelve. Um, you can't get away from the fact that they're an irresistible force at Portman Road. Um, but I don't think they are all conquering and foolproof. Um, I don't think they are necessarily the the great free flowing expansive team that 
many podcasts on a national level would have you believe um, <laughs> because essentially they're the same group of players that couldn't beat us last season um, bar one or two additions. You know, obviously Brandon Williams is a quality player who plays at fullback for them. Um, I don't, did we go, I don't think we went up against Broadhead last season, did we? I think he, he signed for them after. No. Yeah. I think he signed for them after the game. I think he was suspended or something after, like, um, he was suspended or injured for one of the games. He was yeah. there, but yeah, he didn't play for us, uh, play against us, sorry. Other than that, if you if you look at the players that featured last night, Dane Scarlett was, you know, relatively ineffective for Portsmouth last season in League One. They've obviously signed the lad Taylor from Peterborough, who by all accounts they've been after for God knows how long. So they've added one or two really good players, and I'm I'm not doubting that. But largely, this is a side that couldn't beat us last season. And I would argue that the players we've brought in in the summer have improved us from the side that we had last season. Um, and, you know, we've got four points from our last two games. We haven't conceded a goal since before the international break. You know, our confidence right now is is as high as it's probably been all season, I would suggest. And I thought that really shone through come the end of the game last night, um, just with how well we closed it out. I know it, at 3 0 up, and the wind was blowing and the rain was falling. It's very easy for Wednesday to not give up. But I thought Argyle were in, we're really confident at the end of that game, and you could see it. And, you know, I, I wouldn't put it, I wouldn't rule this group out. This group are fearless. I've said it on a couple of podcasts already. This group don't care who they're going up against. They didn't care when they were up against Crystal Palace. Um, they certainly knew about Palace's squad depth after the 63rd minute, but. You know, they're, they're not going to go to Portman Road and be in awe of who's up against them because they know it's a group that they beat last season. And the one thing we can be sure of is that we're not going to go there and shut up shop. We're going to go there, we're going to play our brand of football and we're going to do things our way. Um, and there are, there are, don't get me wrong, there are going to be spells in the game where we're going to be penned back. There are going to be spells in the game where Ipswich are going to be in our faces. But we have two or three players at the moment who are bang on top of their game, i.e. Um, Azaz, Houghton, Gibson, in really key players across the pitch. And I've probably put the jinx on them now, the three of them. But, you know, they're going to be instrumental in what we're going to do on Saturday. And if they continue their form, then Ipswich are going to, you know, it could be Ipswich's toughest test of the season so far, I think. And, you know, that's not just me speaking with green tinted glasses. I'm weirdly confident, but not confident, but I'm weirdly positive for this game now compared to was before the international break. Narrator, 5-0 loss. Um, yeah, I won't be on on Sunday. So if we do, if we do get hammered, then um, I'll just listen to the abuse I take on Monday because I expect John Allsop will be listening to this and making notes. No, he's he's also got Sam to lay into, who also thinks we're going to go up there and get our first away win of the season. Uh, how confident are you, Ben? Yeah, I'm also strangely confident. That I think the two times you've had me on, I've been Mister Negative. Um, <laughs> but like the, you have, the... you have taken um, Sam's role tonight. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I, I I honestly think that like we've had 
it's been mentioned, we've sort of been playing teams when they're fourth or sixth or on a great run or something. Um, conversely, I think Ipswich have had the perfect storm of of playing teams at, at good times, and they've you know they've played a lot of the the teams at the bottom of the league, and yes, they've had some really good performances and battered some decent teams, um, but they've not you know they've not really played um, too many difficult games, or they've played decent teams at, at bad times. You know, they lost to Leeds when Leeds were all over the place. There's been a lot of goals in their games. Um, so, yeah, as they are excellent. I don't want to sort of say they're flattering to deceive because I sort of, I wasn't sold on them. And then they went and beat Wolves in the in the Cup. And I thought, no, they, they really are a good team. They really are a team that's more than the sum of its parts. And then they went and drew against Huddersfield. And I was like, oh, maybe I was right. And I put that out on Twitter and they sort of put hulls of the sword the following game and thought, no, I should just kept my mouth shut. Um, they are a good team. So uh, they, they've just perfected what they've done for, well, t- since the turn of, of, of last year. So they're almost like 12 months now, isn't it? Like 10, 11 months of just, including off the pitch work, obviously. They've perfected what they do. Um, and so if we know what they're going to do, everybody knows what they're going to do. Can you stop it? Well, well we did last season. Um, I don't see why we, we don't stand a chance of doing it again. You know, Haladki's prevented something like five goals more than he should have. Um, you know, he's by, by far the, the the best keeper by most metrics, um, and yet they've still won a lot of games by, or quite a few games by, only the odd goal. So you only need him to have a a bit of a flap at something or an off day, um, and and things turn. I do think you know, despite the fact that, or, or even given the fact that we're the, the away team and not going to be favourites on that basis. I do think that um, you know, they are a better team in terms of the the whole, even if they're not in terms of the players, if you were to transplant them into other teams. I do think, like I say, as a unit, they're so well honed that um, that they are probably a better team. Um, but if, 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 if the right tactics are played then uh, and the right like, the players play to their potential, then I think we can easily come away with at least a point um, and potentially more. Because um, I don't, I, I do think that there's a bit of a sort of an aura about Ipswich that, um, you know, again, like like Joe said, I'm sure people will clip this up. It's not that I think they're a bad team; they're they're an excellent team. Um, but I do think there's a bit of an aura at the moment that that if a couple of g- g- goals had gone the wrong way, if, if Hladky hadn't pulled off a, a few great saves, then the results would be different, and there wouldn't be quite the same same sort of mystique around them. So I think if we can play the team and not the 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 sort of atmosphere, as it were. Um, then there's a very good chance of getting something. As Joe said, given the way we've played, been more streetwise the last two games, um, I think that that bodes well. Um, because before before the international break, I was thinking we're going to go there and just get smashed on the counter. By uh, we're going to push, we're going to push. It's going to be like like Birmingham, but it's going to happen two or three times throughout the game, not just you know right at the right at the death. Um, so yeah, I don't see why why it's not a possibility. And I think the stats back that up. We we are leakier. Uh, than they are, but you know we both attack well. We just need a bit of the rub of the green, and um, and we, we could get something. Yeah, go on, Finn. Give us your sixpence, and then obviously a score prediction as well. I, I think it's going to be whoever out Galaxy brains uh, each other because you know they know the McKenna and Chumacher will know each other inside out from last season. So, um, I think it could either be a bit. It could go either way, but I also think it could be like a surprise thrashing uh, 
I mean, I suppose people would argue it'd be less surprising if it's with it, which would beat us about four nil or something like that. But I also think there is a possibility. I'm not saying it's going to happen. That again, this is going to be clipped up, isn't it? That we could beat them four nil because Kieran McKenna is has overthought uh, playing us, especially with our change in formation. Um, and and that's not that's not bad. But that's not you know putting McKenna down. That's just saying I think that could happen to Schumacher as well um, because of how closely we would have studied them last last year. Score prediction. Uh, score prediction, in all honesty, after I've said that, I'm going to go one Yeah, go on then. Um, James, last word on, on the weekend and your score prediction. Yeah, I wonder what uh, Shui will go with for formation. You'd think after the international break reset, he would stick with four, um, try and be solid, try and grind out something, but it's Shui, so, I mean, we, he may line up um, in our counter-attacking uh, three or five. Um, which would just be a curveball. I may do it to second-guess Ipswich or they think they were going to prepare for us in the four. Who knows? So, um, so yeah, I think uh, I'm going to go 2-2 for, for no real reason other than um, I feel like we might counter quite well there. I think we're, gonna, we're leaky. I'll go 2-2. Yeah, I know I said last word, but actually thinking about it, it feels like um, Dan Scott and Lewis Gibson are the preferred Two centre back, two centre backs. Obviously, Plegozelo is not out of the picture because obviously we know about Schumacher's love for rotation. But it, it feels like they're definitely the the two main um, starters. If we use that back four, I, I, I'm still a bit worried about Saturday. I won't lie. I'm, you know, positive in the fact that the last couple of games have gone pretty well, but they are second for a reason, and they aren't just second; they are clear in second. Um, so, not sure how that goes. Go on, Joe. Score prediction, quickly. Um, you said quickly. I'm not going to be quickly because I just want to say one other thing. Oh, um, this is actually this is actually a, a big game for the football league in a way because you know this pits two. You know we said it all last season. This pits two of the brightest talents in homegrown managers against each other in the second tier of English football, which is probably ahead of a lot of top flights in terms of reputation so um, for the future of the game it's a big game two young coaches who have a great amount of respect for each other um, I know I think it's been mentioned before that they speak a little bit together as well you know that there's no animosity between the two of them I think they probably appreciated um, the unbelievable seasons they both had last year um, so all in all that's why I don't think there'll be any tomfoolery or trying to trip each other up um, and I do think we'll get something out of this. Um, and although it's a boring answer, I do think 1-1, one, one, um, because I do think whilst we're going to have to be disciplined to keep them out, um, I do also think that there is more than enough ability on the pitch in a green shirt for us to hurt them and to score. So 1-1 uh, one, one for me, and a good point on the road. Nice. Unless anybody's got anything else to add, I think we'll call that a night. Three all. That's what I'm going to add. Three all. It's going to be an oh, absolute sorry. belter. Yeah. Okay. I'll go. Do you go into this one, Aaron? Um, yes, of course. And and just just you know, what time will you be home <laughs> after the game? Sorry. What time will you get home after the game? Most probably about forty minutes after full time whistle, because the oh, train excellent. station is yeah. 
is very conveniently placed right next to the ground. Is it? Um, Lovely. It's all right. It's all right for some, isn't it? Well, it is. I mean, I got back um, stupidly late from uh, West Brom. I want to say like one in the morning, two in the morning. Uh, um, later, oh later than those in Plymouth, uh, due to the wonderful rail replacements uh, in place in East Anglia at the moment. Uh, yeah, but I think we'll call that a night. Cheers, guys. Me. Cheers, Aaron. Cheers, guys. If anybody missed, yeah. um, and if anybody missed the start, it'll be live on. Um, Spotify, etc., Apple Pods. Uh, l- most probably stick it up now uh, rather than wait for the morning. Uh, so if you missed that, go catch it there. Um, and we'll be back on Sunday, I think. Yeah, Sunday. Well, Monday for you. You'll hear it on Monday. Uh, cheers, guys. Cheers. Cheers, Aaron. Cheers. Go on, your greens. That's the end of another episode of Green and White brought to you by Argyle Life. Before you go, please make sure you drop us a review on whichever podcast platform you are using. And make sure you follow us on Twitter at ArgoLife1886. Cheers. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.